this podcast uses profanity and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I am Bryce. And I'm Brianna. Hey, y'all. I'm Amanda. I like crawfish and buttermilk biscuits. Okay, now that uh, we've all introduced ourselves, how's your week going, everybody? Mine's been uh, quite colorful and eventful. I've been dealing with baby shit. Like the runny stuff, or is it thick? Healthy. And I've been rock climbing this whole week, and so my arms are sore, my whole body's sore. But Wait, what do you mean rock climbing? There's uh, the baby. Just going outside, find a rock to climb, you know. You see a good rock, it looks climbable, you try it. If it works, it works. Okay, I got a quick question for all of you. Cats or dogs? Amanda? Dogs. 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 All right. I would say I'm a, I'm a split. I don't know. I've always had one of the, or I've had both of them. So it's kind of hard. It's like picking your favorite, you know, cookie. You know, there's well, a lot of cookies out there. Okay, I guess I could go with a cat if I was living in a place where I couldn't have a dog, but I could have a cat and I needed to have a pet. Yeah, I don't mind cats. I like dogs better because uh, they're more durable. Well, durable. What the fuck? (laughs) 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 I I think dogs are more more companion like. Cats are just kind of (laughs) there. Yeah. Uh, I like dogs because I can take them like hiking. Like if I go basically anywhere I go, I can take my dog. Whereas typically I don't see people packing their cat around. All right. All right. I think we're done. Jeez. I think the boys have had their moment. Uh, you guys hear me? <laughs> My moment yeah. of stardom is over. All right. Well, that was, that was an adventure. That was yeah. pretty funny. Okay. I only I, heard Cody's side, but. Yeah, same. Well, I, I heard, heard Jack's side of it. You heard I think what? It'll come out. I heard most of it, but I think it'll come out pretty good. It was to a point where I'm like, okay, Cody's got to be done or else he's going to be bullshitting the whole time. <laughs> Cody straight up took over. He was a natural. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, I won't tell him. Don't worry. Uh, okay, so April Fool's, guys. <laughs> Funny. We're so hilarious. We had our significant <laughs> others start, as you can tell. My voice did not drop several octaves. I, I also feel like my accent is that aggressive. I also don't have some sort of a British accent as what my husband was trying to do. I, I don't know what that was. Jack wasn't trying to do an accent. He was just straight up being normal. Jack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. glad the boys could liven it up for us, even though some of them were being chickens about being on camera. <laughs> mine. There were two of them. Well, Jack was just like, if they're not turning on their cameras, I'm not going to turn on my camera. So. Cody's stayed on, so James anyway, just woke up, so I'll give him that. He has bedhead. He's got to go fix his long, luscious locks. Yeah, <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. Gosh. Well, how are you guys for realsies? Good. Nothing much has changed. Since yeah, we it. just talked yesterday. So, well, I will say, Bree, you have got my back, girl, with that whole Snapchat thing that you said to Cody. <laughs> earlier because i sent no i actually didn't screen record it but i wish i did now well no because you're like yeah we're in a group chat like we're totally it's like a group oh yeah yeah i got you i got you you know hey we we gotta stick together you know i was dying because cody knows better he knows i sent it to all of my snapchat so (laughs) (laughs) 
but I was dying when you were like, I got your back. <laughs> and it was so smooth, such a smooth transition for that too. It wasn't like a, you had to think about it. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Got All you. Right. All right. Well, to even further play on our April Fool's joke, we're actually not doing the correct order that we would this time. Amanda insisted that her story was better than anything that anyone could tell for an April Fool's episode. And so, I mean, that's not so what she I has said, no pictures. Oh, wait. But I did feel it deeply. Yeah, you're right. I don't have any pictures for this. It's kind of yeah. a weird, it'll make sense as I get into it, but there are no pictures. Well, with that, I don't appreciate the pictures, Amanda. I, I can go find a picture. That's okay. I don't care. I was just. But it's not going to be what you're wanting. It's okay. You're good. You're good. Well, with that being said, all we're just doing is flip-flopping weeks. So instead of the typical rotation, Amanda will kick off kick us off with true crime and Brie will do paranormal. Uh, and I get to just hang out this time, so I'm down. Go ahead and take over for your story, Amanda. All right. My story this week is, y'all got to stick with me, okay? Uh, ask you questions lost me if already. You have them. Ask questions if you have them. There are a lot of twists and turns. Uh, but also there's not many answers to the questions. So you know that I don't like not, be, <laughs> not being able to answer my questions. I will just ask even more questions. I'm so excited to see your reaction to this story. Okay. You specifically. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm just chopped liver. Girl. No, you are a steak. <laughs> a fine <laughs> steak, might steak. I add. Steak tips. Wow. Wow. <laughs> High praise. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So this story supposedly happened in 1987. So not much is known about it, like I said. But it has been called 1994's most bizarre suicide story. Because around this Wait, time... You, you said 1987. You said 87 and, and now it's 1994. I told you it was confusing. So... It's 1994's most bizarre suicide story because that's when someone heard about it and uploaded it to the internet and you know what happens then. It didn't take long and it's just everywhere now. But it would still it, not be 94's. It would be 87's. Right. Okay. It just went viral in 94. Okay. Our story is actually going to begin with the medical examiner. I know I've never done that before, so let's try something new. On... March 23rd of 1987 in Chicago, the medical examiner was called to examine this body, obviously, and rule the death. He ruled it a suicide by gunshot to the head. Ronald Opus was the victim, but what was kind of weird is there was no gun found with the body. What he did to commit suicide was jump off the roof of the apartment building that he was living in. And police, even later on, they find a note in his apartment that he left for his family. So that's how they know that he's committing suicide. The crazy part, this is like the first twist, okay? Well, I guess that was the first twist. The same time that Opus jumped off the roof, there was an elderly man and woman on the ninth floor, and they were arguing. The old man shot a shotgun, or I'm sorry, shot a gun, not a shotgun, shot a gun at his wife. But it missed her and it went through the window and hit Opus in the head as he was falling. Okay. So is this a murder? 
No. It's still a suicide. He thinks that it's a suicide, or he rules it a suicide, because Opus jumped off the building with the intent to take his own life. And there is a very convoluted rule, and basically it's like if you're driving down the road and a suicidal person jumps in front of your car, you're not going to be charged for it. Because their intention was to commit suicide. It just didn't happen how they were planning. But that kind of keeps people safe in situations like that from being charged with a homicide. Uh, but the building, it was 10 stories high. But that day, there was some window washers and uh, outside cleaning the windows. They put up a net on the 8th floor to protect them in case they fell. So, since Opus tried to commit suicide but would have survived the fall. Now the elderly man, he can be charged with homicide for shooting him because he would not have died had he jumped off the roof. Does that make sense? Y'all still with me? Yeah, but he so still intended was... on committing suicide. He didn't necessarily know the net was there. Yes, but since he wouldn't have died had it not been for the gun, that's why they kind of had to change this ruling because now we're looking at this elderly man who pointed the gun at somebody with deadly intent. So even though he missed his wife and it went out the window, he still killed somebody. I can, I mean, I understand him being charged for like assault with a deadly weapon against his wife, but I'm struggling with. It's strictly because now he used a weapon with deadly intent. So it's not really taking away the fact that Ronald Opus was committing suicide. It's, think of it more like adding in the fact that this man was threatening to kill somebody at that time. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know it's a hard one to get through, and I'm sorry because there's more. You're not sorry in the least. Not at all. So police now, they tell this elderly gentleman, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to take you in. However, cops say that. I'm not sure. Dad, uh, Bryce, ask your dad. We're going to have to take so you down to the station. Yes, thank ask you. Ask some questions. We've got some questions. Actually, my dad was not an arresting officer. Mm -hmm. He was in the jail directly. So anyways, go on. Okay. But he still heard it, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So police start investigating this new information. And friends and neighbors say that this is pretty common. I guess uh, that this man and woman will fight and then he'll just take out his gun and threaten to kill her. I don't know why that's common. Y'all, that should not be common. Okay, that's not somebody you want in your life. It seems like a very toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. It definitely does, yeah. But what the man and the woman both say is that they never keep their gun loaded. Like, even the wife is like, yeah, he does this all the time, but he's never shot at me like this is a first time for them so since neither of them loaded the gun and the friends and neighbors they agree with this you know he's never this is new in all these years so now this is kind of an accident um then the gun in the first place well that's what they have to find out okay but this kind of takes the blame, at least temporarily, off of the elderly man. Hey. At this, yeah. At this point, I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. So right now, the elderly man 
is not charged with anything, and we're we're at the point where this death is going to be ruled an accident. But they still have to investigate why this gun was loaded. <clears throat> so they start talking to him, and <clears throat> the mother mentions that her and her son had recently gotten into an argument, and it was so bad she cut him off. She they kicked him out of the apartment. She cut him off financially. It was pretty rough. And they can't find the son at this time, but they again ask some neighbors and some friends, and someone admits someone admits to seeing the son loading the gun about six weeks earlier. And this person says that the son loaded the gun, put it back where his father kept it, because he's pissed and he knows his dad regularly regularly threatens his mom with this gun. So he's basically thinking. His dad's going to kill his mom. That sounds like a wild childhood. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. This is, I don't know how they all come to these conclusions, okay? <laughs> I mean, just the fact that you're like, oh, yeah, I know my dad waves a gun around at my mom. Like, hmm. Yeah, like, I can, let me just throw these shells in here and the problem will fix itself, apparently. It's almost as bad as having your grandmother's decapitated finger in a jar and using it. As a toy. Almost as bad. Not as yeah. bad. How dare you? That is a family heirloom. Tis a finger tornado. <laughs> okay. So the police tell the couple, like, hey, we're uh we're gonna have to talk to your son. And again, the couple was like, I don't I don't know where he is. He left earlier today, but you can look around in his room if you want to. And I guess the cops are like, bet. So they go in his bedroom, they're looking around. And they find a note that says, do not pity the dead, Harry. Pity the living. And above all, pity those who live without love. It was a suicide note because Ronald Opus was the couple's son. So now he was officially responsible for his own murder. Yes? The cops didn't initially know that Opus was their son. Did they initially know that opus went that opus was the one who was killed they didn't even know that at the time they didn't even know that somebody had died they thought police had been called because of the gunshot so this was all news to them bryce you look like you have something to say <laughs> no, the issue is i don't have anything to say and i'm trying to figure out why that is because i feel like i should have something to say i mean i have more i can keep going no, just keep going. Maybe it'll develop in my head as you go. Oh, it will. So this story, uh, it was told by Dr. Don Harper Mills at a banquet for the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. And at the time, Dr. Mills was actually the president of that academy. And he's the one that told the story that eventually got put online. And he said he told the story to illustrate how if you alter a small, a few small facts, you greatly alter legal consequences. which. This is a hell of a story to do that with. And he made the whole thing up. And he later, <laughs> he later admitted that some of it he had kind of pre-planned and the rest he just made up on the fly. Somebody got this, got a script, I guess, of what was read that night and put it online thinking that it was a real story. And it is actually still reported as a real story. That's how I heard it. And I was like, no way, no shot. No, not at all. Y'all research your stories. Because <laughs> this literally, I found out it was 
a hoax, I guess. Not a hoax, but an accidental. It was a teaching moment. Gone awry. Yeah. Yeah. And the first Google search, it came up as fake. That's why I wanted to do this one. It was fun. It's not real. I didn't go through any mental torture. from it. My head actually does kind of hurt from it. I'm still (laughs) confused. I mean, I I get it. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I just have a little bit more. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say uh, with him, he actually passed away in 2013. But he did come out and say he had gotten hundreds of calls and letters from librarians, journalists, even law professors that wanted to incorporate this into their textbooks. This is how, like, real, I guess, this thing was believed to be. And in 1997, three years later, after the whole story came out, he said he had received over 400 phone calls since the story was released online. But he always maintained, I made it up, it was a story, it was supposed to be a hypothetical anecdote to prove how legal consequences can change with each twist and turn the case takes. (laughs) That's where we are. It's a really strange concept that, like, Every step of the way, the legal consequences can change. Yeah. No matter what decision you make, it can, it can alter anything. The course of reality. Because in essence, I mean, this is, even though the story is not real, it is also really interesting that's like, this is how these things plan out in real life. Maybe not to this grand effect, but it was pretty cool. I'm a little traumatized. Could we talk about the emus again? If you like. I mean, they're I, still there. I'm just kidding. I'm not that traumatized. Not yet. <laughs> Annie is, though. At least of the emus last time I checked. <laughs> that was a great video. I'm going to have to release that, probably. That I want to hurt my head. <laughs> I had to, though, because I wanted to do that at the end. Just be like, he made it up. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. But in my defense, like, what better fucking... April Fool's story. Thank you. Yeah, I completely blacked out right there. Well, because you kept saying Friday the 13th. I don't know what's wrong with me. A lot of (laughs) things. First of all, I just want to say I don't like that he made it up because it made my head hurt. Like, I'm happy he made it up and that it's not a real thing. Like, it didn't actually happen. I don't know how medical. I said all I have to say. I mean, it's... I don't... It's... In addition to this being the April Fool's episode, we're also going to give it to you really quick on that one. But I think, Brie, your story is a little bit longer, right? It is, yes. So. Yes. All right, well. No more talk of legal things, and we're going to move on to something even better. Yeah, so um, this is not an April Fool's um, joke on y'all. This is actually a, a true story. So, yeah, let's let's get into the history. So, in 1775, Lieutenant Juan Manuel de Ayala—I don't know how to pronounce that. We're just gonna say Ayala. It's it's Spanish, but I'm not sure. How do you um, translate? A y a l a. Hold on. Ay- Ayala. A-Y-A- Wait, spell it again. A Y A L A. Lieutenant Juan Manuel Ayala? de Ayala. Ayala. Like that. I, don't I don't like know. that. Ayala. That's fun to Ayala. say. 
Anyways, this Manuel guy uh, discovered an island and named it Isla de los Alcatraces, or Isle of the Pelicans, due to its large population of seabirds. This place is probably known as one of the most haunted places in the United States today, possibly even the world. And this is the story of Alcatraz. As I said, I need to get into the history and stuff before I get into the hauntings, just so that y'all can have a little bit of background. But the property was sold to the United States government in 1849, and they soon called the island Alcatraz. It just kind of developed as that name through time. In 1850, President Millard Fillmore reserved the island for military use. The California Gold Rush and the need to protect the San Francisco Bay led to the United States Army force to build a citadel or a fortress at the top of the island in the early 1850s. During this time, the Army also made plans to install, get this, over 100 cannons on the island itself, which is absolutely crazy. Like, that's... Uh, 100? Pardon yeah. me? How big because was this island again? Or is this island? It's 225 acres. How so... many hectares is that? That's the real Shit, question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. Listen, that's the only unit of measurement we'll ever use again is hectares. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, that com- seems like a lot, though. 100 cannons? What it are they? It is. It, well, is so it was reserved for military use so essentially and i'll get into this a little bit later but they designed it to essentially become a military base and then later it became something else which we all know but so the cannons weren't to keep the uh seagulls away pelicans no no (laughs) actually they were yeah because the the pelicans just like the emus were attacking the the farming land on alcatraz (laughs) yeah Mm mm-hmm did the pelicans also use carrier pigeons or were they the carrier pigeons for the emus? They were the they were the carrier pigeons for the emus actually. Fun oh, fact. Okay. This is the world's fighting back, y'all. We're screwed. Uh, Stop taking uh don't kill Everglades and stuff. Um ignore the last 2 minutes because that's not true. Um, <laughs> also, you keep saying the word cannon and in my mind all I can hear is my dad with dumb jokes of want to see these cannons oh no he talks about how inappropriate we are on our podcast and he has the nerve to say that you put your biceps away sir sir all the time and i i taught my little (laughs) sister to be like "Mm, those look like water balloons (laughs) (laughs) or water pistols so i love it i love it Anyways, um, Congress appropriated $500,000 at the time, which was, which is roughly $18 million today. I just did that on a calculator, which is a lot of money for the fiscal year 1854 to start building defenses in and around the San Francisco Bay, which included Alcatraz Island. Essentially, there were three total islands near San Francisco Bay and Alcatraz Island was one of them is one of them currently. Um, In 1854, fun fact, it also became known as the first operational lighthouse on the coast of California. There was much... Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I didn't know any of this so far. 
Yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting. I I really enjoyed learning the facts. So, yeah, that's why I have it. <laughs> um, there was much construction at and around this time to make Alcatraz Island a military defense base. Between 1853 and 1863, the island held engineering buildings, a carpenter shop, a blacksmith shop, two storehouses, a stable, a mess house, the laborer's barracks, the mechanic's barracks, an office building, a kitchen and mess room, a powder house, a water tank, some wharves, and three gun batteries, which later turned into four gun batteries, along with many other buildings that came along. And a hundred cannons. Yeah, and 100 cannons, too. Exactly. That was a lot of cannons, Dad. Can you keep up with that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, For for those of you who don't know what these three-gun or four-gun batteries are, saying in battery means that the gun cartridge is ready to fire. So these batteries were essentially like warehouses in a way that were armed and ready to load off and to fire at any enemy that came near. Um, Construction was stopped during the Civil War. And in the late 1850s, Alcatraz started holding military prisoners. In 1861, the island was designated a residence for military offenders. Many inmates during this time included Confederate sympathizers and American Indians named Hoppus from an Arizona territory sent to the prison following a land disagreement in 1895. Between between 1876 and 1907, controlled electrical submarine mines called torpedo operating rooms were used to respond to messages and essentially these panels that the electrical cables ran were able to detect certain things coming in like through the water and they sent an electric impulse causing the causing it to explode so i thought that was pretty cool that is pretty cool yeah i wish i could be the one to do that like what button do i press yeah exactly i don't think you need that much power i completely need that much power not after I've heard you threaten to shake your child. I don't think you need that much power. I never threatened to. You dreamed of think. it. Eh, probably. Yeah. And, but I haven't done the it banter, yet. y'all. Enough with the banter. Come on. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Bryce, stop making fun of Amanda. And Amanda, stop saying that she didn't threaten your baby when we both know that you did. We were there. I will turn this car around. That's what Bri- uh, <laughs> That's what Bree just took with us. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> um, in 1905, the chief of engineers said that Alcatraz would not be armed for at least several years because Congress considered suspending the appropriations for additional batteries and for military use. So... In 1907, the islands became the Pacific branch of the United States military prison. Okay, I think we're good. Um, In 1909, the army tore down the citadel and it left its basement level to serve as the foundation for this new prison that they were working on. Between 1909 and 1911, military prisoners took on the construction of 
a new cell house during the early 20th century. Wait, they had to build their own jail? That sucks. Well, essentially, saying that this island became this Pacific branch of the United States military prison, that means that it was trying to become a federal prison. So it became the Alcatraz that we know today. And st- but yes, the military prisoners were building that for new prisoners that were going to come in. Well, I just Absolutely. imagine as them building it for themselves. Yeah. Oh. Well, That's yeah. Like when your parents have. used to make you go pick out your own switch. Yeah, they could oh, have switch. What you don't? Yeah, you go pick out. Go get a switch. Like a Nintendo oh. switch. Yeah, Nintendo Switch. No. Like, what? Y'all have never been told go pick out your own Switch? Like, you no. know, go out there to that tree line and get a branch that, and then you bring it back to your parents and they whoop you with it. A Switch off a tree. I've never heard to me heard like the Chancla, but no, I've never heard that. In the backwoods. I've never heard that either, so. You've never uh, heard of a Chancla? No, no, no. I know the. Okay. The, that okay. one. It's the switch that I'm confused about. Yeah, I've. Your mom yeah, is just crazy. A, oh, this is my whole ass family. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what you do. You go. I mean, even if they're not going to whoop you with it, a lot of times it's just scary to have to go pick out your own switch. Yeah, I've I've never heard of that, but it's, this has been an enlightening conversation. I would like to move away from. Okay. <laughs> uh. According to history.com, the national, the, according to history.com and the National Park Service, when this new complex was finished in 1912, it was considered the world's largest reinforced concrete building. Damn, okay. And from 1934 to 1963, it served as a maximum security federal prison to deal with the most incorrigible inmates in federal prisons. Many of these inmates served previously as prisoners and were sent over from other prisons who refused to conform to the rules and regulations at these other institutions. They were considered violent, dangerous, and escape risk. Although a lot of people know these famous inmates, so I feel like I have to recognize them. Al Scarface Capone. Scarface. Um, George Machine Gun Kelly, Robert Stroud, or the Birdman of Alcatraz, and many others as well. Now, the first warden of Alcatraz Penitentiary or Alcatraz Prison, however you want to call it, wanted the, I don't even know what I said here, hired one guard for every three prisoners. So, they were essentially like they they were watched all day every day they each had their own cell and the federal bureau of prisons or bop bop so let's call it um called alcatraz the prison systems prison as it represented as much as one percent of the entire federal inmate population and as i said this prison essentially was for inmates who were sent over from other prisons who just decided not to follow the rules. Huh. So this is where you want to go. 
the party prison. Yeah. I hear they give you flip-flops when you get there. (laughs) And a coconut full of alcohol. Yes. Oh, shit. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to prison. (laughs) You, how about we'll send one of us to prison and then you can report back and let us know how it is. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. Since you volunteered, Amanda. I already got my prison. She's right here. (laughs) The Alcatraz Penitentiary could hold up to 336 convicts. And that was essentially 336 cells because each inmate had their own cell. Each cell measured roughly about 5 by 9 feet or 1.5 to about 3 meters. But the highest number of recorded prisoners to ever occupy the island at one time was only about 302. 302? Mm-hmm. So we can have how many again? 336. Well, okay, so that number is a little construed, to be honest, because AlcatrazHistory.com said that it had 336 cells, that it could occupy 336 inmates. History.com told me it could occupy up to 600 inmates. Britannica.com told me that it could occupy up to 450. So I chose to go with AlcatrazHistory.com, but it's, it's kind of up in the air. But that's kind of the general consensus that it could only hold about 350 with other sources. So. Well, look at them being responsible. Okay. Yeah. I guess with those, those specific type of prisoners, you really don't want to mess it up. Yeah. I would probably agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, and they never had any period of time where they shared a cell. Mm-mm. It was they cell, all. Though. Yeah, it is. It is. But I mean, they you know they had a sink, a toilet, and a bed. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a bonus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, families of the guard staff lived on the islands and they lived in building 64, um, a couple of apartment buildings on the islands, a large duplex or four wooden houses as well. Those were designed for the senior officers. Um, the average time of residence on Alcatraz was only about eight years because essentially Alcatraz wanted to get these inmates to oblige to the rules and regulations of prisons, then sends them back to state prisons. So, so it's more of for a reform type. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're trying to behaviors. I didn't know those existed. Um, yeah, neither did I. <laughs> Alcatrazhistory.com explains men were never lead men. Never leave. <laughs> Men were never directly sentenced to Alcatraz and usually had to their own way. Only men were ever paroled directly from Alcatraz to the free world. Wait, repeat that. Sorry. Um, only two men were ever paroled directly from Alcatraz to the free world. So they only, wow. only two men ever went on parole after being like from Alcatraz. Okay. Um, And this is a quote, but I feel like it really represents what I'm also about to say. So listen up. Um, The website, AlcatrazHistory.com, also explains that, quote, 
The cell house had been built on top of a 19th century fortress that was used by the military to protect the bay. Below A block was a set of cells that were known as the Spanish Dungeon. These cells have been primarily used during the military prison era. In the late 1930s, it is alleged that the dungeon cells were occasionally used for unmanageable inmates. Many correctional officers have agreed that they heard or were aware that some extremely unmanageable inmates were handcuffed to bars in the dungeons for short periods of time. A block was used frequently as the segregation unit before D block had undergone the transformation into a lockdown unit, end quote. And A block through C block were essentially the just normal population blocks, whereas D block was a lockdown unit. And I'll kind of explain more in depth a little bit later about that. There are also reports of prisoners being sent to the strip cell. And this was in D block where they were stripped naked. They were allowed no mattress, sink or lights and used a hole in the ground to go to the bathroom. Why? Because they were unmanageable inmates and they did not follow the rules and regulations that they were supposed to at Alcatraz. That doesn't sound like reform. That sounds horrible. It does. I know. It sounds terrible. Um, at Alcatraz Penitentiary, eight people were reportedly murdered by inmates and five men committed suicide and 15 died from natural causes. Eventually, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, eventually the prison shut down in 1963 because essentially... Due to shipments and food and supplies, the operating expenses were a lot higher than other than others at other federal facilities. So they just wanted to shut it down because they could do it at a lower cost. Um, it's also reported that the buildings crumbled, started to crumble due to exposure to the salty sea air. In March of 1964, a group of Native Americans claims the islands with the, with the 1868 treaty allowing Indians to come in and claim any unoccupied government lands. Wait, but According- isn't it all occupied on Alcatraz? So in 1963, the penitentiary completely shut down. So this is in 1964. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Britannica says that they only occupied the island for a couple hours, then returned later in November of 1969, hoping to establish a university and a museum on the island. They demanded the deed to the island, but were forced off by federal marshals in June of 1971 by order of Richard Nixon. Okay, now we're going to get into these escape attempts because there are some, there were 14 total escape attempts in the roughly 30 years of people being sent to Alcatraz. Do y'all want me to go by suspense or do y'all want me to go by date? Um, date. Date. I love date. a chronological. Thanks. Okay. 
April 27, 1936, Joe Bowers attempted to climb the chain leak fence that surrounded the island's edge. He refused to climb down and was shot by a correctional officer, falling 50 to 100 feet to the shore below and died from his injuries. Jesus. Uh, uh, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 150 feet seems no, like 50, a lot. 50 to 100 feet. Oh, 50 to 100. Okay, that yeah. still yeah. seems like way too long to fall to your death. Yeah, I agree. I know. Yeah. December 16th, 1937. Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe filed their way through the flat iron bars on a window in the Model Industries building. They climbed through the window and disappeared, never to be heard from again. They are still listed to this day as missing persons and are just presumed dead. A storm caused the currents to be especially strong that day, and many people believed that the men were swept out to sea. May 23rd, 1938, James Limerick, Jimmy Lucas, and Rufus Franklin attacked an officer who died from injuries, and the three men climbed the roof, and uh, one of the officers shot Limerick and Franklin. Limerick died, and Jimmy and Franklin received life sentences for killing the officer. And they had nothing to lose already, right? They were already serving sentences. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what their sentences previously were, but yeah. Well, on a side note of that, I might want to, I, I'm just going to add that I thoroughly enjoy the name Rufus. I love that name, actually. <laughs> it reminds me of Kim Possible. Yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, okay. On January 13th, 1939, Arthur, or also called Doc Barker, William Martin, Rufus McCain, another Rufus, and Henry Young escaped from the isolation unit. They sawed through some cell bars and bent toolproof bars on a window. Correctional officers soon discovered them at the shoreline. Martin Young and McCain. Martin Young, Martin, comma, Young and McCain. That's like a first name. I don't know. Um, Surrendered and Barker and Stamp Hill were shot because they refused to. Barker later died from his injuries. That's really sad. Um, Another side note. I really want us all to bring back the name Rufus. So I'm going to need you guys to make a pact to either name your next child or your next animal Rufus. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to have to be an animal because we're done. <laughs> um, May 21st, 1941, Joe Kretzer, San Shockley, Lloyd Barkdahl, and Arnold Kyle took several officers hostage, but the officers essentially just convinced them that there was no way to escape from Alcatraz and they later just surrendered. I mean, wow. at least no one was harmed. Yeah, true. I don't know who severely. talked them down, but he needs a raise and a promotion. Yeah, tell me about it. 
He actually just needs um, to be able to retire. He needs his pension early. Wouldn't that be nice? Shit. I hope every time he gets in his car, his seat is warm. I I agree with that. But what a very hot day. Like in Texas, it literally gets up to like 100 degrees in the summertime. I would hate for my seat to be warm. I hope it's perfect temperature. There you go. There you go. September 15th, 1941. John Bayless attempted to escape and gave up after literally just going into the waters of San Francisco Bay because it was just so cold. He also attempted to escape from the courtroom while appearing in federal court in San Francisco, but was unsuccessful also. He was trying to pull a Ted Bundy. Yep. There you go. April 14th, 1943. James Borman, Floyd Hamilton, Harold Brest, and Fred Hunter took two officers hostage. They made their way down to the coast and Brest and Borman, Brest, and Hamilton were shot. Borman sank below the water surface and his body was never recovered, but Brest and Hunter were just taken back to the prison. Hamilton was initially presumed dead and that he drowned, but he was found hiding out in a shoreline where he was discovered by two correctional officers. He essentially just gave up and walked back to the penitentiary. At that point, I was hoping for him. Like, I was hoping you were going to say they found him in Chicago eight years later. Like, I was kind of rooting for him at that point. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I know you're in prison, but also gutsy there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, August 7th, 1943, Huron Walters, he just disappeared from the laundry room and he was later just found out on the shoreline. I, I don't know if he was trying to escape or if he just kind of wanted to, you know, get some fresh air or something. I, I don't know, but. Did he find the portal that all of our, did he find the portal that all of your socks go missing in? Yes, he did. Apparently I thought he went out, he snuck out in a laundry bin, like you always see in cartoons. Like in Annie? Sure. Annie, the the musical? I haven't seen it. Actually, Amanda, since you just brought that up, you're going to like this next one. Hell Yeah. On July 31st, 1945, John Giles worked at a loading dock where he unloaded army laundry sent to the island to be cleaned. Over time, he managed to get an entire army uniform and he actually dressed himself in this uniform and he got on the boat. He thought that they were going to San Francisco, but unfortunately, the ship was headed for Angel Islands, and he was just greeted by correctional officers right when he got there, who returned him to Alcatraz. Damn, what was his name? Such a good attempt. John Giles. You almost had it, Giles. Literally, so that's smart, right? Next time, check the schedule. Yeah. Between May 2nd and May 4th of 1946, This was known as the Battle of Alcatraz because this was essentially like one of the biggest escapes that had ever happened at Alcatraz. Um, Six prisoners overpowered a cell house 
and gained access to the weapons and the cell house keys. They essentially wanted to take control of the cell house. Their plan fell through when the inmates found out that they didn't have the key to unlock their recreational yard door. And shortly thereafter, prison officials discovered the escape attempts, but instead of giving up, many of the, actually, all of the inmates who tried to escape decided to fight. Eventually, some of them just returned to their cells, but this was after they had taken some of the officers hostage and some were shot point blank. One officer ended up dying from his injuries and a second officer was shot and killed in an attempt to regain power of the cell house. During this escape attempt, about 18 officers were injured and the U.S. Marines were eventually called to assist and on May 4th, the escape attempt ended with the discovery of the bodies of three of these inmates who tried to escape. Um, the other three stood trial for the death of the officers and received the death penalty, were executed in the gas chambers, and one of, wait, two, I'm sorry, two of them received the death penalty. One of them, who was only 19 at the time, received a second life sentence. That's Sorry, crazy. That was... I've I've heard that story before and it I like that story. On July 23rd, 1956, Floyd Wilson disappeared from working at the dock after hiding several hours among large rocks along the shoreline. He was discovered and just surrendered. I I don't know what he was doing there. He was just hanging out having having a beer or something. I don't know. See, I mean, that's, what, uh, that's where these people fall short. Like you get out, you're there, y'all. You, you, you're there, but you got to take account for this large body of water. Yeah. Otherwise, just stay oh, in your cell. I'm sorry. Y'all can look at the pictures. I completely forgot about that. If y'all haven't been, y'all can go ahead and look at the pictures. September 29th, 1958. Aaron Burgett and Clyde Johnson defeated a correctional officer, and they attempted to swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco. Johnson was caught in the water, and Burgett's body was unfortunately found two weeks later just floating in the bay. Oh. I assume the police have boats, right? Like, strictly for... Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, an, an intensive search was conducted, but they ended up not being able to find him on the island. And so later his body just kind of turned up. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. Um, June 11th, 1962. And this escape attempt is known as the great escape. It was made famous by Clint Eastwood. Essentially, Frank Morris and two brothers, John and Clarence Anglin, just disappeared from their cells and were never seen or heard from again. A fourth named Alan West was said to kind of have been the mastermind behind this escape plan. 
Um, but he was still in his cell the next morning when the escape was discovered. So nobody really kind of confirms that, I guess. So this escape plan essentially involved homemade drills to enlarge vent holes in the walls, false wall segments, and realistic dummies with full human hair on their heads placed in the inmates' beds so they wouldn't be missed during the nighttime head counts. Where did they get human hair? Well, they have barber shops there. Like, prisons have barber shops. They probably kept it from there. So they didn't shave their heads? Probably not. Yeah. Um, My question, you said homemade drills? How did they make a drill at home? So... I saw a picture online. It essentially consisted of like, gosh, I don't know. It's so hard to explain. So this is kind of what they used. It, they weren't really drills per se. That's just kind of what I said, but they were just, they just like chipped away at the cement over time. And it said, drills so so these three men exited through vent holes located in the rear wall of their cell and they had made the vent holes they they made false vents and wall segments to conceal their work and like what they did so behind this rear wall is a utility corridor that had locked steel doors at either end. The three men essentially climbed the utility pipes to the top of the cell block and gained access to the roof through an air vent. And the men had previously bent the bars to this air vent so that they could get out. They then climbed down a drain pipe on the northern ends of the cell house and made their way to the water. It's said that they left from the northeast side of the islands near the powerhouse building. They used prison-issued raincoats to make a life vest, essentially, and a pontoon-type raft to assist in their swim. And... No sign of the men was ever found. Several weeks later, a man's body dressed in blue clothing, similar to the uniform that the prisons would wear, was found a short distance up from the coast of San Francisco, but the body was too badly deteriorated to ever be determined if it was one of these men who actually escaped. Um, Morris and the Anglins are still officially missing and presumed drowned to this day. It was a very elaborate plan. And that's, that's crazy. There's a lot to that one. Yeah. I tried to make it as simple as possible. I apologize if that kind of. Yeah. They thought about that for a long time. I mean, yeah. granted, I feel like if I were in prison for a long time, I would have thought about it too. I'm not in prison and I've thought about it. How would I escape from prison if I needed to? Right. Okay, that's, yeah, I guess I've done that myself, too. Yeah. But they were way better than mine. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, I also don't know the layout of all the prisons, so I can't... I feel like I'd have to have a plan for each individual prison. Yeah, that'd be hard to come by. Um, okay, finally, the last escape was on December 16th, 1962. John Paul Scott and Daryl Parker bent the bars of the kitchen window in the cell house basement they then climbed out and made their way down to the water. What type of Hulk strength do they have to just be bending the bars? Yeah, right? I, I know. And like literally all of these attempts, they just bend the bars and it's easy, right? I'm guessing that they what weren't- What are the bars made of? Tinfoil? Marshmallows. Air. Well, they're, they're made of, they're most likely made of like some sort of metal, but obviously it's not a very strong metal if these men can just bend through them. Should have gotten some Maybe. better metal. Maybe they have leverage. I was taught in school that that makes a difference. Um, Parker was found a short distance from the water, and Scott tried swimming towards San Francisco, but the currents just pulled him out to sea. He was later found by a few teenagers near the rocks at Fort Point, which is right near where the um, the bridge. What what's the bridge called? The, the Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah, the Golden Gate Bridges. So the teenagers that found him, were they... I mean, was he alive when they found him? So that's the next part of my sentence. Oh. Um, <laughs> you're good. He was taken to a military hospital where he actually suffered from shock and hypothermia, only to be returned back to Alcatraz. I just can't imagine what those teenage kids were like, you know, walking down the beach and then all of a sudden they're like hey there's a uh, there's a guy on the shore in a prison outfit we should probably not to go near him i agree i mean if i were a teenager and i just found a body i mean i don't know i feel like you watch enough cop shows today at least to be like hey you know this this is a body we should call 911 you know but like back then i mean Shit, I don't know. I, I would be terrified. Do you poke it with a stick, though, to see if he's alive? Or do you just call the cops immediately? No, you, you call the cops immediately. What if they were playing dead and they just they, they went up to attack you? You just that's call 911 immediately. That's what the stick's for, though. How long is your, is, is your stick 10 feet? Do you think that you can throw it down and run away as fast as you can? And hit him with a rock from a distance. I'm pretty good at skipping stones. What if it's like Halloween time? And you're not sure if it's a costume? Good question. Why would a person with a costume just be laying down on the floor? or on Maybe the ground? it was a really crazy like, game of truth or dare. Oh. Well, we are two completely different people. Because you went truth or dare and I went like he just went to a raging party. Well... Maybe it would be a party with truth or dare. That is what constitutes a rager, truth or dare. <laughs> it's like literally the goody two shoes and the <laughs> <laughs> the girl who parties all the time. <laughs> oh, I love you both. <laughs> um, in 1972, Congress created the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, including Alcatraz Island. And it was opened to the public in the fall of 1973. 
Now, as you all have been waiting for, let's get into the hauntings. Yeah. Excited. Okay. So today, the sounds of men's voices, screams, whistles, clanging doors, and... I don't know why I said and. I just repeated something. Um, Today, the sound of men's voices, screams, whistles, and clanging metal doors can be heard all around the prison, especially near the dungeon. And that's why I quoted that thing, because now y'all know what the dungeon is. Um, Many guards reported sounds of sobbing, moaning, and terrible smells, and seeing this thing that they called the thing. That's a really original name. (laughs) I already don't like it. This was an entity that was said to appear with glowing eyes. I'm not exactly sure the color, but it is, it's the Mothman. There you go. It could, it could have been the Mothman. You never know. I assure you, I don't want to know anything more. I assure you there's much more. Okay. Um, There have also been reports of, seeing phantom prisoners and soldiers appearing before the guards and before the people who were living there on the island. Warden Johnston, I believe there were three wardens in total, but yeah. Uh, Warden Johnston even encountered the sounds of a woman sobbing while leading several guests on a prison tour. The sounds were heard by everyone in the group and described as coming from inside the walls of the dungeon. And just as the sobbing stopped, everyone just felt a sense of coldness, like this icy wind just blew over the entire group. Wait, but there were no women locked up there, right? Yeah, there were. So how do you explain the woman? I I don't know. It could have very well been. um, he fair-voiced man? Well, yeah, I I was going to say it could have very well been uh, one of the family members who, you know, lived on the islands with one of the wardens or one of the prison guards. And why would they be near the dungeon? I have no idea. That I can't tell you. That I cannot tell you. Um, The warden's house is also said to be haunted. There were a few guards who told the story. Of So they were having this Christmas party and a man appeared in front of them wearing a gray suit, brimmed cap, and mutton chop sideburns. Yeah, he did. The guards said the room turned cold and the fire on the stove suddenly just went out. No. Less than a minute later, the spirit just vanished. No. I don't know. I kind of like the mutton chops. (laughs) I figured you would. Um, When the prison was still open, guards reported hearing phantom cannon and gunshots, followed by screams that sounded so real that they were terrified that the prisoners tried to escape again, and so they went to go check. Upon inspection... What? Did they oftentimes fire the cannons at escapees? Okay, that seems like a minor overreaction. No, they just use their own cannons. 
You yeah. are your father's daughter. Uh, I did get my sense of humor from him, so. They found absolutely nothing upon inspection, and these incidences were never explained. Like, why did they just hear random phantom, phantom cannons and gunshots and screams? It, it's just bizarre. Another experience of the guards during the when the prison was open was the smell of smoke that came from the laundry room. When they went to check this out, there was essentially this huge fog of black smoke so thick that the guards literally could not be in the room. Like, it was huge. Only minutes later, the smoke just completely vanished. Did anybody tell them that you actually are no longer allowed to smoke cigars inside public buildings? It has to be 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. That's a law. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. This one is my favorite. So listen up. Cell 14D, also known as the hole, was a cell reserved for the most severe offenders of prison rules. It was known as the coldest place in the prison, and the prison itself was actually pretty cold due to the surrounding seawater and all of that, but due to the positioning of this cell block, I guess it was the coldest one out of all of the cells. Um, it only contains a hole in the ground for prisoners to go to the bathroom. It didn't have anything else. It didn't have a sink. They gave them a mattress at night, but they would take it away at dawn. That's rude. Why? Um, because they were trying to discipline them. Not discipline. I, that's just mean. I imagine but they was- went in there and literally just rolled them out of the mattress and took it. I cannot imagine someone trying to do that with me because I would have been hanging on to that mattress. Like, I am not done sleeping, <laughs> sir. Oh, I'm going to wake up swinging. Yeah. Do it. Literally same. Okay, so on one occasion in this cell, an inmate screams literally the entire night, reporting that someone with glowing eyes was in there with him, possibly the thing, but not confirmed. These screams continue throughout the night, followed by just utter silence. Nothing after that. Not exactly sure the time, just complete silence on the morning and found the inmate dead with very noticeable handprints on his neck. An autopsy was conducted and ruled that the strangulation was not self-inflicted. So who strangled him? No. How do you know? I have no I, idea. I guess the placement of the hands would yeah, tell you if it was if self-inflicted. You, that versus like your thumbs like that, for yourself yeah, like would go on the inside. It. Yeah. And also the angle and positioning. Because like yeah. if I were like right here, you can tell I'm pushing up more on my jaw. Whereas if I were to come at someone, I'd be pushing down more. So only a contortionist can choke themselves probably. Yeah. Because if I were to go like yeah. this, thumbs are on the wrong side of the neck. What if you cross your arms though? Are you going to be able to keep your arms crossed like this for that long? She pass out first and then die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. 
So in this cell in 14D, or the hole, visitors reported feeling coldness wrapping around them. And Richard Weiner and Nancy Osborne, authors of the book Haunted Houses, visited Alcatraz and 14D. They were convinced that someone or something was in there with them. And Osborne said that she had never felt so much physical energy in one spot ever. Michael, I don't know, I don't oh, know if I like that. I know. It's creepy, right? I mean, what, what explains? I mean, there's no way that one of the prisoners would just willingly go into the hole. Plus, you know, there were guards checking. Like, I, I don't know how often they checked. Probably like once an hour or something. And there, there's no way that a prisoner would just willingly go into there and kill. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Um, Michael Corey, co-author of Haunted Alcatraz, reported seeing a small man with his head shaved who told him he was beaten with his legs broken by guards and just left there in solitary confinement. So left there to just be miserably in like sheer pain. Oh my God. Richard Sennett set. Richard Sennett was a ghost hunter and a psychic who spent the night on Alcatraz and he locked himself in 12D. This is where an evil spirit is said to live in the penitentiary or previous penitentiary, I guess. Is it the thing? You, you said locked himself? Lo locked? Not closed? No. Locked. No. Doors locked. Mm -mm. No. He Not reported feeling, yeah, he reported feeling icy fingertips wrap around his neck and experienced visions of the bodies of just twisted and disembodied, dis, dismembered men. Dismembered? Twisted and dismembered. Yeah. It's creepy, right? It gave me the heebie-jeebies. I can't. The fact that you used fingertips instead of fingers for some reason made that so much worse. Because I just imagine it just like just I see just the yeah. tip of your finger. Yeah, I don't. Or I trying do not to appreciate barely that. get you to notice. Mm. No. Um. So, A, B, and C blocks are known to the tourists are let me just restart that. yeah please a, do because you said a b or c and i thought a quiz was coming a b and c uh wait hold on pop quiz alcatraz was founded in 1848 1896 no 1439 seven you're 100 bc yeah bryce you got it <laughs> yes way to go so proud of you <laughs> uh, in a b and c blocks the tourists of alcatraz have heard moaning and crying um i only found this on one source but i thought that it was pretty interesting the butcher 
who he has been nicknamed, is said to roam the halls at certain times. And he was known to be assassinated in the 1940s there, but I couldn't really find any more information on him. So I'm not 100% on that. He had to have been pretty important to have been assassinated, I feel. I just assume that he's a grade-A butcher. You think my humor is bad? <laughs> A.B. Maldowitz was a... What, what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, my goodness. Was a criminal in New York. Um, he, he was a hitman and was responsible for as many as 1,000 murders. Wow, that's um, murders. That's, that's how all? he. That's how he ended up getting his nickname. Well, it was only from the 1930s to the 1940s. Oh. Wait, what do you years. mean that's all? I was being. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's how he got the name, the nick, the butcher. Um. He was apparently killed by a fellow inmate. According to History101.com, Witty Thompson brought a reporter there, and upon arriving, she saw something and then described what Butcher looked like to a T. So that's the Butcher. Um, and finally, the last one, and I thought that y'all would really like this as a closing one. Al Capone was said to spend his last years in Alcatraz playing banjo in the prison's banjo band. Apparently there was a prison band, but I, I don't know. Um, he had a fear of being killed if he kind of played his banjo out in public, out in the open with the other prison guards. So he practiced it in the showers. A lot of people and tourists say that they can still hear banjo music playing there. Does he take requests? I don't know. Why don't you go there and ask him? Devil went down to Georgia. That is my only request that I have. All right. Actually, no, I'm also going to request a more modern song just to see, just to test him. I'm going to do like some Taylor Swift or something. Okay. Do I'll it. Listen to that. I'm going to request him to do Shake It Off on his banjo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, that's not the right one. That's Shake It Out, my bad. What is it? How does it go? Shake, shake It uh. Off. Shake It Off. Oh, oh. <laughs> You're, you you got to sing it for me so that I can sing it for you. I have far too much Benadryl in my system to be singing. <laughs> but that's the story of Alcatraz Prison. Well, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. I know. All of those... of... Sorry, you go. I was just going to say, I'm kind of upset because I know that my um, my in-laws will do a girls trip every year. And when I was newer to the family, they did invite me to their girls trip. But I, we couldn't afford for me to go, and they actually went to Alcatraz. So, that's crazy. I do over. That would be fun. We should all go on a girls' trip to Alcatraz. Maybe. Oh, and we still need to go to West Virginia too. We also still have another haunted place where Bree is going to go get her ears licked by a ghost. Oh yeah, you're right. That's atrocious. Which one was that again? I I think that was Transalpine. I think you're right, yeah. So we just need to take, like, a road trip. Um, well, cars don't drive to Alcatraz. Well, we can don't? drive to San Francisco, then take a ferry. They don't drive under the water? 
They don't drive under no, there's, it or there's on a top little, of it. There's a little, you know, air tunnel, right? That, that you drive under. An underground and tunnel? Then, yeah, and, and then you drive into the dungeon, and then you're locked in there forever. Oh, so would okay. you rather do oh. that or just take the ferry? Wow. Good to know. That was, that took it. I just <laughs> thought you were going to say you came up on the island, and my next question was, where do you park? <laughs> in do the dungeon, apparently. Parking? In the forever. dungeon. And you never leave. Yeah, you just locked there forever. Oh, okay. That's that's awesome. Glad to hear that. We just we're gonna mark that as another place we're not going. <laughs> Correction, we are going. Correction, my dad won't let me. <laughs> Correction, Bryce's dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry we're going. Hey, dad, maybe you'll let me if you're invited. I think that's a great idea. Oh too. So I think I think that's a solid plan. We invite parents instead of spouses or I significant love it. others. I My love dad's it. more fun anyways, so he listens to us. Uh, I'm still not sure if my dad knows what a podcast is. Um, don't worry. On the road trip, my dad will explain everything to him. <laughs> He'll give him a breakdown of all the dumb things we have said. He probably keeps it bulleted somewhere, like on a bulleted list somewhere. Like she said this stupid thing and she said this stupid thing. And there was something about a push pop in the butt and there was something about a cannon gun. <laughs> I don't know. Perfect. Because none of it will surprise my father. <laughs> so just saying, my dad would be a great addition. And he'd probably actually be a lot of fun at Alcatraz. He'd probably lock one of us in the cells if we're going to be honest. 12D. Not going. 14D. Yeah. Bryce, you'll be locked in 14D. Amanda, you'll be locked in 12D. And I'll go to the showers and listen to Al Capone. Excuse me. I'm with requests for Al Capone. <laughs> you can go be locked somewhere. All right. I'll I'll go into 12D. Why not? Or no, you, you had 14D. I'll go into 14. It doesn't yeah. matter. I'm going to the showers so that Al Capone can do shake it off on his banjo. What if he doesn't Wait. know it? How do I get a ticket for that show? What? Yeah, we actually, we both want the live show. We all want it. Okay, so instead of anyone being locked anywhere, we all go to the shower room. Or we could all go to the shower room and then we can all be locked in the cells together. No. That's no. a great idea. I'm no. only going for the banjo playing. Like, that's yes. all. If he does not know Shake It Off, I will play it on my phone and request he learn it. I'll be like, but okay, this is the song. I only want you to see it? Scarface play Shake It Off with the banjo. Yes. And go. we will give him the big, the most support he would ever see. We would encourage his musical dreams. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that was a good one. I like Alcatra Alcatraz. I almost said Al Capone. <laughs> Al Capone. <laughs> I mean, he went to what? it. Yes. I meant Al Capone Traz. <laughs> <laughs> Alcatraz. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels Podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels Pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels Podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for patrons. 
If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you. This has been Hell on Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.